We love you too, Rachel. Yeah. Um, so I'm really grateful to get to teach on joy this morning. Um, Carl Betcher was scheduled to teach, um, but he's, he's sick uh, out of an abundance of caution. Um, and uh, because he's sick, he's uh, staying home. Um, but so I, uh, in preparing, fortunately, uh, a new AI chatbot came out this week. And so I was able to just sort of assign some of this to them. So I, I told it this morning, write a funny sermon introduction for a charismatic Christian church about joy. And, and here you go. Uh, good morning and welcome to our charismatic church. I hope, you're, I, I hope you're all feeling joyful and ready to praise the Lord today. Before we get started, I just wanted to share a quick joke with you all. Why was the math book sad? Because it had too many problems. Okay. I know that wasn't the best joke, but let's not let that dampen our spirits. We're here to celebrate the joy that comes from our faith, and I can't wait to dive into God's word with all of you. Let's give it up for joy. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> it works at sort of a meta level, at least. I'll you'd probably be confused if I hadn't framed it quite like that. Um, and so, in part, uh, I really want to explore um, the passage that we talked about a couple weeks ago um, that mentions joy. And in a way, you can say this, this, uh, this is an exploration of what joy means here in Hebrews 12. Um, and so to try to get at that word and what it's doing, uh, we'll go a little wider, too. Um, so this is the passage. Uh, come, Holy Spirit, please fill uh, the reading of the word. Um, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, and that's uh, referring uh, to the list of people, the sort of heroes of the faith that immediately pre preceded this chapter. So there's all of these examples of people who faithfully walked out and, and trusted God and acted on that trust. Um, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. And part of what I love about the use of joy in this passage, and we talked about it a little bit a couple weeks ago, but I, I wanna really anchor some of our meditations on this, uh, is that the word joy in Aramaic, so in the language of Jesus and in the background here, it can also mean feast. And if you know that, you'll notice that there's a lot of background here where they're playing with feast, joy, Passover, and communion, which are all connected and which you can pun around with in the language of Jesus. Um, and so you, we can also see this and we can say for the sake of the communion and the community of people who would be formed around that communion that Jesus could form through his work on the cross, uh, he, he bore that burden so that he could found communities like ours all around the world, um, communities that are called to uh, embody that cross-shaped way of life of, of enemy love and of victory over evil through this way of Jesus. Um, and so that's an image that starts, and, and this means a lot to me, especially because I had a really profound experience um, at the Regional Vineyard Conference. Um, and I want to share it because it connected back to something I had experienced 20 years before. Um, so I was, um, some of you may know this, uh, for a while I was discerning a vocation as a Franciscan friar, which is a way of saying I was thinking of becoming a, like a sort of a Catholic monk um, when I was in my 20s. Um, and as part of that, I went up to uh, World Youth Day in Toronto, and they brought in communion. 
and uh, these Franciscan friars were, were coming, and they were singing a, uh, like a Passover-style song. And it was, it was a joyful song where they were clapping and they were singing, and I had never thought of communion being that joyful. And I'd never experienced the idea that we could have that kind of joy mixed with the, the sadness that we also mourn, right, as we think about uh, Jesus' death. Um, and it's, it's a, an experience that has always struck with me. And we were at the uh, Vineyard Regional Conference. Um, I, I, am, I asked a question about communion, and they ended up like really doing up the communion service at the end of this, uh, and, and really teaching on it deeply. Um, and the, the person who taught on it emphasized joy. He emphasized the way joy related to the practice of communion and that we should um, bring that kind of joy to the practice. And, and people got up and they were singing and there was just a joy in the worship and in the singing that was, was just, it brought me right back to that moment 20 years ago. And I felt the sense of assurance from God. Uh, it was like, I am seeing the church. And when we see that joy in embracing the way of Jesus, I think we are seeing the kingdom of God. We're seeing the way of Jesus and we're seeing the church for what it is. Um, and so that's, that's meant a lot to me. And it's part of why I wanna really connect um, joy and communion and connection itself in a lot of ways here. Um, so to get into this part of Hebrews, so this chunk of Hebrews towards the end, it's actually summing up a lot of what's happened throughout the whole letter. Um, and you'll notice some similar language here. And we're just gonna go to the beginning of Hebrews. I'm gonna get into some detail on this and how each of these little pieces relate to joy. Um, so this is Hebrews 1, 1 to 4, which Hebrews uh, 12 there is echoing. Um, Long ago, God spoke to our ancestors in many and various ways by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by a son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also created the ions. And so sometimes that word will be translated as world, through which he, trans he created the worlds. Uh, it's sometimes translated as ages. Um, it also just means lifetimes. So which he made all of the different lifetimes that exist. Um, basically all of the layers of being and all of the structures in the world and every living thing um, and all of the different sort of uh, periods of time that could ever exist too. Um, he is the radiance of God's glory. So he is the light, right? So the son of God, uh, Jesus, is, if you imagine the sun, right? He's like the beams of the sun, something so intimately and deeply connected to it. Um, uh, and, and the way that we experience what the sun is. Um, and he is the exact imprint of God's very being. I'm going to nerd out a little bit more on this one. So the word for God's very being is a big one in Christian theology. And uh, in, in American English, we say hy uh, hypostasis. Um, and we, we know the parts of this word. So hypo, right, is like low, right? Like um, a hypoallergenic poodle uh, is bred to not trigger your allergies. It's low allergies, right? Um, and then stasis, right, is like low, a low stable thing, right? And so this is like, you imagine the, like, the foundations of the universe, right? Like this is the most foundational thing. And so once you get that, then the next uh, part makes a lot of sense too. And he sustains all things by his powerful word, right? Because that's what a hypostasis does, right? Um, so he's saying this is the most fundamental reality possible. Um, 
you might also ask too, uh, who's sustaining all things by his powerful word? Is it God or is it Jesus or is it uh, is Jesus God? I, I think these are the questions that the language here raises because it sort of condenses them together. Um, the other, uh, the word for word here is not uh, logos, uh, which is the sort of Greek word for logic. Um, it's a different word that just refers to the spoken word. So he's playing on speaking and how God speaks everything into being and how Jesus is this sort of spoken reality. And we talked about this some the other week. Part of why I really like to spend time on this, getting this into our heads and that this is what the text is claiming, is that in our culture, and especially in parts of our Christian culture, we have this tendency to think like, there's like the world over here, and then there's like Jesus over there. And there's a, there's a contrast that can be drawn, right? There's a contrast that can be drawn between worldly ways of being, meaning cruelty and uh, abuse and hoarding and all these sorts of things. Um, but, uh, but that use of world shouldn't be taken to mean like all the stuff that's out there, right? It shouldn't be taken to mean creation, right? Um, because creation is the good creation of a good God that uh, suffers brokenness, but God never abandoned it, and God has always been sustaining it. And like, when does Jesus arrive on the scene of history? In one sense, in, in the flesh and in the person of Jesus, right, this is what we're celebrating with Christmas. It was about 2,000 years ago, give or take. Um, but in another sense, he was always there from the beginning, and everything was created in and through him. And so what's being said is that in Christmas, when we celebrate the incarnation, when we celebrate the presence of God with us, we're celebrating that the way that God has always been with us drew even nearer to us in this sacred way. But it's not that God ever abandoned us or wasn't with us or with the whole of creation and all of its history before that. Um, so that's why I like to geek out on that language because there's this deeply connected sense of things that's just fundamental to our faith and that sometimes, um, some ways we express it, we lose track of that. All right, so when he made purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. All right, and so when we think about names, so names aren't understood to be magical words that just do things just by saying them, right? That's not what's being said here. Name refers to authority. It's like if I, basically if I come in here and I say, you know, I am, a representative of uh, the US government, and now I'm doing things as a representative of the US government, I'm acting in its name, right? And uh, uh, I might be acting in the name of the president or in the name of the governor or something like that, right? It's a way of talking about authority and who's in charge. Um, and I, mean, I have a pretty heavy anti-authoritarian streak. I think a lot of us in this church do, right? And so talk of authority makes us uh, at least some of us, uncomfortable. Uh, the, the lack of talk of authority makes others of us uncomfortable, so it's good to acknowledge that as well. Um, and I think what's important to hold on to here is that the claim, though, isn't just that, like, there's some dude who is the ultimate authority, and, oh, good, now we have an ultimate authority, right? But it's that the suffering servant, the loving one who poured out his blood for us just like that coffee spilled, and that's totally fine. It spilled at the moment I was going to talk about Jesus pouring out his blood for us, and we love you guys so much, right? Um, it's okay if things spill out, right? And authority makes us think of no messiness, but Jesus shows us a, a messiness that doesn't lose his authority even because of that. So beautifully and perfectly timed, seriously. Thank you, guys. Um, 
So I want to draw on, the, uh, on this to talk about how this uh, imagery all relates to joy. So first, so we can hear in Hebrews here an echo of Genesis 2, of God's initial speaking of let there be light, right? And because here we have, he is the radiance of God's glory spoken, right? And so when God said, let there be light, what they're saying is that Jesus was the spoken light. And so the first thing I want to meditate on is the way joy comes from illumination. Joy comes from illumination. And if joy is about connecting things, who here like loves to discover something new? Like you learn something new about the world or yourself or the people around you. And that sparks joy, right? This is something that can deeply spark joy. And so not everyone experiences a lot of joy this way, but some of us really experience joy through, um, through that. And on each of these, um, I want to meditate a little bit on the fact that uh, this is connecting us to God, right? And so when we learn something about ourselves or our friends or our community or our world, and we experience that joy, that is one piece of the joy of connection with God. Um, that that is part of how uh, God is speaking into us and uh, through us and with us. And so I want to take about 30 seconds or so. And afterwards, there, so there will be a quiz in the sense that we're going to go through these and then at the, uh, after I'm done uh, exploring this, I would love to have people share experiences of joy that might have come to mind. Um, and so uh, we'll take 30 seconds. Just remember over the last week, were there any experiences where you experienced illumination and that you have some joy that you can give thanks to God for? Let's take a little time. Thank you for all of the ways we've been able to experience joy through your illumination of something this week. All right, next one. This is going to sound really weird, I think, at first, but hopefully it doesn't sound weird once I'm done. Joy comes from mediation. Mediation. Right. And mediation just means like standing between things, right? Um, mediation is what a priest does. We're all called to be priests, right? To be. Uh, uh, but mediation also means that you uh, are present where maybe there is conflict, right? And, and a mediator is there to listen and hear from different sides and then help them hopefully come to an accord. That's one type of mediation. Um, mediation is what the person of Jesus is doing as the word of God in uniting us in and through the work of the Holy Spirit with God the Father right, and drawing us into the heart of the life of God. That's part of why Hebrews talks a ton about him being a high priest. At the core of that idea is that you're standing between two sides and you're bringing them together. Um, and so I, let's take a little time to reflect um, over the last week on any times either where you had the joy of being able to help people or things connect up, right, um, or maybe where someone helped mediate something for you. I will say for myself, this really came up for me because Katie and noticing a way that um, I was becoming too fearful um, about just the political situation in this country uh, and the way it was impacting my family, uh, she was a mediator to me in helping me uh, reconnect with what was real, right? And so if you've had a chance to be a mediator or to benefit from people or from God doing that for you, 
Just gonna take a chance to reflect on that and the joy and the connection that that can create. I'm gonna take 30 seconds. Thank God for any joy that came through mediation this week. Thank you, God. We just lift up uh, our gratitude for those opportunities. So the next one. Uh, joy comes from bearing the image of God well. And here in the passage, we have this. So Jesus is the, is the light of creation, basically. He's the glory of God. Um, and he's also the exact imprint of God's deepest being, right? So he is the, the most full image bearer of God, right? Um, now, this image, so when I think about it, like you have like a royal seal or something, right? And you like put a stamp on something. Um, and whenever we have metaphors about God, it's helpful to realize where they're helpful and where they break down. And I think one of the ways, this idea that like a stamper uh, breaks down is that it's very mechanical, right? Like, like in the way that, like, like it's easy to imagine that we're all like wearing the same uniform and we're all looking exactly the same, right? And we're all mechanically uh, just sort of drone-like. Um, and part of what I love about the passage here is it says he's the imprint of God's very being and, and the implication is, and that's why, this means that he sustains all things by his powerful word. So all of the many things, all of the diversity, all of the strangeness, all of the wildness, all of the difference of everything that is, is held up in its difference by the unity of Jesus. And that, and that that's what it means that he's the exact imprint of God but in a way that doesn't lead to forced conformity, but that it leads to a, a, a deeply differentiated unity in diversity. Um, and so for each of us to bear the image of God, it does involve reflecting something of Jesus, right? Like if we are um, manipulating communion in order to just teach someone a lesson because we don't like them, right? We are not bearing the image of God well, right? Um, but uh, if we are like Jesus, where at the table, he even invites Judas to the table with him, right? He, he doesn't bar the table from anyone. If we are imitating Jesus, we're bearing his image well. We're looking like him in, in the important details. Um, and we can each manifest his love and his goodness in totally unique ways. So what are unique ways in this last week or so where you got to see people in your family bearing the image of God well? or where you got to bear the image of God well. Just take 30 seconds and reflect on that. Give thanks to God for that. Jesus, thank you for the way you are conforming the people in this congregation to your image in each of our own unique ways as we walk out our unique vocations that reflect your goodness. Next one. Uh, joy comes from faith. Um, now, I include this one too. So uh, the vineyard is a grassroots ecumenical movement of the Holy Spirit. 
So it means people in this church come from all kinds of church backgrounds. Uh, and in some church backgrounds, actually, did anybody here grow up with a faith candle in Advent? A lot of uh, sort of Protestant denominations, they will, also, they will have a faith candle. Um, all right, so nobody, nobody was missing out on it. But it's worth being aware. Somebody grew up with a, okay, cool, somebody grew up with a faith candle. Cool. I think it's a very Lutheran thing. Yeah, right? Um, so, um, so I want to make sure we get faith in here, at least in connection with joy. Um, and I also want to include it because our passage here at the end of Hebrews, right, the one about the joy that Jesus saw set before him, it starts with this, it's a whole chapter on the heroes of the faith, right? And, and so faith is deeply connected to that joy. Um, and I'm, I'm going to read this section here again and just notice how faith is connected, right? So therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, and think of all of the inspiring examples of, of people faithfully modeling the way of Jesus, um, that we're surrounded by them. Let's be inspired by their faith, into faith, so we lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let's run with perseverance the race that was set before us. That's faith language, right? Being faithful to run the race, right? To trust that you can do it, uh, have the confidence in God that you'll be carried through it. Um, and then, uh, like Abraham, to follow through on the act of faith to its closing moment where you plunge the dagger into Isaac's... No, sorry. You, you've got you to keep hearing and heeding. Otherwise, that's not faith anymore, right? So quick, quick check there, right? Um, Abraham was faithful, not because he did whatever he thought God said 10 minutes ago, but because he continued to hear and heed and be responsive to God, too. And sometimes God flips the script on us, right? <laughs> um, and Abraham is sort of the primary hero of faith in all of this. Um, and so he ran the race. And because Abraham continued hearing and heeding God, he was able to draw out from his cultural context um, uh, what seemed good and holy in child sacrifice, which was the expression of loyalty. And in ancient Canaan at the time, there's quite a bit of evidence that there really was child sacrifice. And you imagine what that does to your head to be in a system where to show your faith you're going to do that. Right? But he, he captured the light, he snatched the little bit of good that was in that, and then God transformed it and abolished child sacrifice. Right? Um, and so faith brings joy because it also results in continued connection, even through the changes of life, even through changes in our understanding of God. And so over the last week, are there ways where you or people around you faithfully attending to what God was doing in the moment, um, where that helped you connect with each other or with God. Go ahead and take 30 seconds or so. Remember places where faith sparked joy. Jesus, thank you for your own faithfulness. Thank you that we can rely on you. Thank you for the ways that faith has connected us with each other and brought us joy in the last week. So the last one, in a way this sums it all up, joy is communion, right? which is sort of where we started here. Um, but communion then is this place where this profound connection happens within us, within our pasts, where we're able to connect both with areas where we maybe have missed the mark, uh, and with areas where we can celebrate being with God, we can be fully connected with our past, 
uh, with our presence. It binds us into a faithful and a hopeful future. It connects us together as a community, and it connects us most fundamentally and deeply with the God who is the creator of the universe, who speaks through everything that is and who speaks into the depths of our hearts. Um, and I just love that. And I love that that's what we get to do at the center of uh, forming Christian communion, uh, Christian community. Uh, and the, in that, the kingdom of God is here in our midst in some limited way. And not in the way that it will finally be when God is all in all, um, but in the way that it is moving forward in and through us by the grace of God. And so with all that context in view, um, I'm gonna go ahead and read uh, a big chunk of Hebrews 12 here. Um, and uh, one thing I wanna draw out that you'll notice here in the second part, um, the image of um, a reconciling community, a community that's making peace and learning and growing together here, uh, is at the heart of this message. Um, and it uh, fits well with uh, growth, uh, like a growth mindset in a lot of educational things we have. The, the Hebrews is teaching a growth mindset here um, with respect to learning and growing. Uh, and Hebrews is also teaching a restorative justice approach to dealing with injustice. Um, and, and restorative justice emphasizes not uh, punishment or retribution, but it emphasizes uh, actually addressing the underlying problems. And, uh, and if you're into that sort of thing, I highly recommend the Bible. It is an excellent book for, for exploring uh, how that really can be expressed in the most profound way. All right, so here's Hebrews 12, uh, 1 through 13. Um, and I will keep my commentary to a minimum since hopefully it's working its way through the way you hear it. Um, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely. Let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such hostility against himself from sinners so that you may not grow weary or lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. The ones who had weren't there in the audience, right? And you have forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as children. My child, do not lightly regard the discipline of the Lord or lose heart when you are corrected by him. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and corrects every child whom he accepts. Endure trials for the sake of discipline. God is treating you as children. For what child is there whom a parent doesn't discipline? If you do not have that discipline in which all children share, then you would be like an illegitimate child. Moreover, we had human parents to discipline us, and we respected them. Should we not be even more willing to be subject to the Father of Spirits and live? Just as an aside, I receive a lot of grace from this as a parent, where it's like, look, like parents do their best, <laughs> right? <laughs> and like there's grace on parents, there's grace on kids. And if, if your parents uh, weren't that for you, this can also offer you a model of a parent in God who, who can be the loving parent who only wants the best for us. Um, uh, for they disciplined us for a short time, as seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, in order that we may share in his holiness. Now, discipline always seems painful rather than pleasant at the time, 
but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, just so you give this image of a kid who's used to parents who don't have a growth mindset or a restorative justice approach where they're just being shamed all the time. Imagine a child like that. Therefore, lift your drooping hands. Strengthen your weak knees. That's how a child would feel in that context. And instead, make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Which brings me back to Matthew. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. So moving into communion time, if the, uh, yeah, if the band could start working their way up and, and preparing for that. Um, and I already talked a lot about communion. Um, <laughs> I talked about the joy of communion. Um, and uh, as we're getting ready for this too, I would like to spend, uh, maybe we have like four or five minutes where we can pass the mic. So is there all of that's getting ready? Does anybody have a joy to share um, uh, with the congregation? Yeah. Um, Kelly, you want to go first and then bring it to Kimberly, okay? Okay. Yeah. I guess something, whenever I kept saying joy, I keep thinking of the song, I got joy, 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 deep down my heart. <laughs> I read it, I kept coming in on my head. I Thank you, Kelly. Um, I wanted to share when the kids were here about puppies, just how much joy my puppies bring me, my doggies. Um, uh, they're just so sensitive to my pain. And uh, yeah, and Daniel, Dan has met my doggies and knows, so that was a joy. Um, uh, the mediation, um, I, one of our members here, and I'll say her name, Chris, mediated with scripture last night for me when I was suffering with someone who's suffering deeply. And I thank you for the scripture because it reassures me that my dear friend who's in pain from cancer um, will receive joy and one day be reunited with her Lord. With that, I'll pass. Um, so my house is really messy and Sammy wanted to have a friend over last night who has like perfect house and I was cleaning my house and it wasn't clean enough and they came over and the mom's sitting on my couch and we're talking and she's from another country and I was like oh where are you from and she's like oh I'm from Palestine and I was like oh my gosh tell me about that and we were talking about it for a while and where the joy came is that she didn't care about my house at all. And she was so grateful that I asked her about what it's like to grow up in Palestine and that she was able to share. And, it, and she was talking about like, you learn to love your family so much more because you don't know if they're gonna get bombed the next day. So you tell them how much you love them in a more sincere way. And so that was just a really joyful conversation. And I felt like the Holy Spirit was working with her to say, hey, nobody cares about your messy house. Be um, Mary in a Martha world. So that's mine.
my my cloud of witnesses, I guess, in in a temper contemporary thing is missionaries, and um, I get to talk to them every week. This week I spoke to four people, and I find all these things of joy. They bring joy into my life, and um, I can bring joy into their lives as well, in mentoring them and. Um, they need mediation, you know. Uh, they're trying to do something which necessitates donations, and they stand somebody to stand between them and those who are supporting them at times is important, and they need the encouragement to know that they are a worthy investment. And um, it just brings a lot of joy. It is the primary source of joy in my life is this connection with people like that who have taken very seriously the commands of Jesus and are doing their best to live that out. So I love those people and I get to talk to them all the time. Um. I wanted to share last Sunday, I think it was last Sunday, time doesn't <laughs> register with me that much, but anyway, um, I fall a lot, and I fell recently and hurt my ribs, and then I got a muscle, pinch muscle, so the McCain's prayed for me last week, and the, the pinch muscle part of it went totally away, and the, the other, where the ribs are, it's still a little sore, but the pinched nerve was what really was hurting me. So I wanted to share that with you now in a public way. <laughs> and I, that brought me a lot of joy and relief. Thank you all for sharing. Uh, and thank you, God, for being a God of joy who invites us into joy, um, even at the cost of the pain and suffering of the cross. Uh, and Jesus, we thank you that for the sake of the joy that was set before you, you endured the cross, disregarding its shame, taking away the power of shame from us forever. And we worship you as you have taken your seat at the right hand of the throne of God as we join together in communion. So um, feel free to partake of communion and partake of prayer. Uh, I would just add, too, that in the church's history, worship and communion are all part of communion. In fact, so just by participating in worship, you're also joining in communion.